So, Heather, we're approaching the 10th anniversary of this whole Nightmare on Elm Street thing. I mean, the original five very popular sequels. How has all this success affected you personally? Well, I don't know if it really has, Sam. I, with the exception of one in three, I pretty much stayed out of it. And, uh, well, you know I'm doing a lot more television now, so those hours let me spend a lot more time with my husband and my little boy. That's right, you have a little boy. What's his name? Dylan. With Dylan, d does that change your feeling, your perspective about horror movies? No, not really. I mean, would you let him see one of your movies? My son? <laughs> no. I I'm sure people ask you this all the time. Is there going to be another sequel? And, and what's more, is Freddy really dead? Of course he is. Freddy's dead and gone. Talking about a sequel while well, they're in the sequel. I appreciated that a lot because I didn't know who any of the people were, so I was just kind of like guessing until they told me. I knew they were somehow important to the franchise. This was the pre-postmodern horror movie, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, 1994, two years before Wes Craven's Scream. Right. I, I thought about that. I had that thought. What are we talking about? We're talking about New Nightmare. Yep. That's the one. But I had that same thought. I'm, you could see the Scream notes in it, probably because we talk about Scream all the time, yep. but... You could see where it was going. It's a fascinating movie. It was critically, not acclaimed, but it was well-liked, especially for a franchise that had lost its way completely. Uh, not a success at the box office, though. People were not ready for it, and the series had run its course, and I think it was the meta-ness was not what people wanted, but it was only two years ahead of its time, as it turned out. And uh, it seemed, I don't know, it... It had problems. Like, it wasn't ready to make the jump. It was still kind of stuck with some of the stuff. It wasn't, like, meta enough. Like, too many, like, late 80s style. Like, the, you know, like, just how it was filmed, how the shots are and stuff. Well, it's trying to evoke the original as often Is as that? it can because it's re it's becoming that movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. That would make sense. Yes. All right. All right. I'll scratch that then. I think that makes was, a lot of sense. I can see it now. It was too high concept for the time. It's too high concept for me think, last night when I was watching it. Th think of what this movie's doing. It's taking famous characters, pulling them into the real world, and being like, yeah, this is the movies that we made. That's crazy, especially for something as successful as Freddy was. All right. So, because I watched it late, give me the quick synopsis of it. Well, Wes Craven has a new nightmare. The yes. end. <laughs> and, and that was it. And Basically, the, the Freddy franchise has ended. And Wes Craven in real life was asked if he had any ideas to bring it back. And he's like, you had to be kidding me. And he's like, let me think about it. And because he didn't really work on it again. He made the original. He made, he co-wrote the third one, but it got rewritten anyway. That was all of his involvement. Famously not a fan of the movies that came after. Yeah. I and remember you telling me. He brought this concept to them and they were like, this is brilliant. Let's make it. And people were not ready for it. But it, what happens is because the Freddy movies are no longer happening, Wes Craven in the story has been having nightmares and those nightmares are what he's writing into the script and the script is becoming real because freddy is this ancient evil that he channeled into the character and without that outlet anymore he's trying to cross into the real world and come after heather leggenkamp because she's the icon that defeated him the first time which make it hangs together well it's a fairy tale oh yeah yes. it is so we see these characters in the real life Heather Langenkamp, we see the real life Wes Craven, we see the real life Robert Englund, the real life Bob Shea, who is the producer. Okay. Yeah, because see, that's what I mean. I didn't know enough because it's been a long time since I've watched the franchise. I don't even know where we last left it. So, Oh, Freddy's dead. Well, they kept saying it over and over. That was the but, name of the last movie. Oh, I didn't even know that. See? Yes. How did he die? He gets blown up by his daughter in a 3D world. 
Was it with dynamite? Was Dracula involved? There was like demons or something. I really don't remember the third one. The third one? Or no, the last one. Freddy's Dead. That's six. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I the don't only ones that. you need to know for this are one and a little bit of three. And that was Dream Warriors. Dream Warriors. Okay. The, so, the three that had the Langan Camps in. The three well, that John Saxon's in. Who was John Saxon? Her father. Oh, yeah. Okay. Him. Yes. Who is my favorite scene in the movie when they're walking out of her house and she's call, he's calling her Nancy. She's like, why are you calling me Nancy, John? He's like, why are you calling me John? And he turns around and he's dressed like the cop and the cop car is there and he's just back in the first movie. That then she was, has to accept it and then Freddie comes out of the bed. It's fucking incredible. See, that was cool. I like What I didn't like about the movie really was um, Freddie just being evil. I guess there were not a lot of jokes. There was not, you know. That's what I liked about it. Is I, I get it. Five sequels with the jokes. I know. I get that. For me, see, it's weird because now I'm not watching it in context. I'm yeah. watching it years later so nostalgia is coming in because the last time i saw freddy was in the freddy versus jason right so which is after this so you did get your jokes back right you do get your jokes back but again i'm looking at it out of context by the way we do get that freddy at the end of that clip robert england comes out in his freddy makeup and he does all of his freddy lines he's like let's do lunch bitch that's what you get all that stuff i don't know i love that they did that scene because it juxtaposes the character he'd become, the icon he'd become, with an actual, what he originally was, yeah, a, a nightmare monster. Which media has warped and yes. trapped, and this it's is become a... Wes Craven's comment on that. It, it was, it's a really cool concept movie. This is my absolute, 100% favorite Robert Englund performance as Freddy Krueger. I love his version of this stripped-down, just pure evil. Right. He's fantastic in it. When he pops out of the closet, he's like, miss me. It's so good. Yeah, yeah, there are. It's got the moments all over it. And it's now that I'm really looking at it, like I knew it was turning into the 80s, but I didn't yeah. think about that as the, the whole film, like how it was filmed. Yeah. So uh, my mind is now expanding. It's wrinkling as I, I'm thinking here. This is one of my favorite movies. And it's there's three great Nightmare on Elm Street movies. And they're all so different. You have the original that's full of creativity. You have the third one, which is the excess in the best possible way. It's over the top in the best possible 80s ways. It's like it's like this dialed to 11. And then you have this meta commentary on it. It's fascinating that all three of those exist in the same, what at that time was only seven movie franchise. Like almost half of them were perfect. Like they were perfect. They all have flaws. But they're as good as, they're, they're all Anybody can tell me any one of those three is their favorite of the movies, the best of the movies, and I'll agree with them. If they tell me any of their four, you're a fucking idiot. Because it's not opinions. It's not possible to not have one of those three on top. Okay, I will believe you because I haven't seen them. But one and three are the ones I remember, and yeah. I've only seen a new uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare once before, and that was when it came out in nineteen ninety four. Oh, the year of Jim Carrey. The year of Jim Carrey. The year of Carrey. Everybody remembers that Pulp Fiction came out. And Jim Carrey was in every other movie except this one and that one. That was about it. And Forrest Gump. Although I think he was probably in Forrest Gump. He was probably in the background somewhere. I think I think at one point he does travel to the set. Of, you see uh, Forrest Gump at the set of The Mask. Yep. And they just pop him in there. Which is weird because he could have just done that, but they popped him in there. It's, with it's their, when he was running across America. He ran across the he set. He ran across the set of The Mask. Yeah, was there. There. Yeah, you heard him in the background going, smoking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's Hollywood facts right there. Yeah. That's everybody remembers. And if you don't, I would suggest watching that three-hour slog of a movie and uh, just seeing it all over yourself. Is that how long it is? I, it feels like it. I, I haven't seen it since the theater. You, that, you say that a lot. I know. And because I watch things like one time, there's not that many movies I see more than once. You know what movie I've seen more than the once? The Sorcerer's Apprentice. 
Well, yeah, obviously, but also Brendan Fraser's The Mummy. That's a good one. It is a good one. I watched the House on Haunted Hill remake like a hundred times because it was the easiest thing to just throw on and never have to pay attention to. I don't remember. Oh, I think I saw that one in the theater with you. Jeffrey Rush. That's the last time I saw that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tight little two minutes we did there. <laughs> Thanks. So what were your, oh, well, you, you already said you, there's things you didn't like about it. What were your overall impressions of uh, West Carolina Nightmare? I remember really liking it back, and now I'm trying to put myself back when I saw it, you know, right after the theater back then. At that point, I hadn't seen a movie in a long time, so how, like a, a Nightmare on Elm Street. So how long ago had the last one, like Freddy 6? Freddy 6 was 91. So it was only a couple of years. They came out, this is only 10 years after the first one, though, which is crazy because yeah, yeah. it's been right. 30 years since this movie. And he's only come back that one time. And Well, there's a remake, too. I don't, oh, yeah, we talked about that. I never saw it. Yeah, it's better that you don't. Okay. Well, well uh, you see... That's what happened to me with the Evil Dead remake, too, was I, I just lumped it in with... They're two completely different things. Well, I didn't know that for a long time, so when I finally watched it, I, again, my brain was wrinkled for the thinkled. Well, this was only 10 years after the first one, so it went 84, 85, 87, 88, 89, 91, 90. They packed them in there, 94. Freddy was always my favorite of the big, you know, the big ones. The it's icons. because you love Child Blasters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me and Jeffrey Jones. There. That's right. That's a song, I think, right? Me and Jeffrey it's, Jones. No, it's Mr. Jones and me. Actually, is a song, right? Me and Mr. Mrs. Jones. I think me and Mr. Jones is a song, too, by the Maybe. Counting Crows. No, that's Mr. Jones touched that guy inappropriately. That's a song. Yeah. That's right. And like I, like I said outside, it, it makes Ferris Bueller a lot different. <laughs> I asked you not to bring up Ferris Bueller so we could pretend we weren't recording these back to back, and I was going to get and that stuck in that rabbit hole again. Oh no, I'm sorry. That one's going to be with me forever. I'm going to be talking about that one for months. I was I was actively afraid that it was going to be the new uh, bit that I can't get rid of on the show. Well, no, I think it's going to take over your whole life. You are just tickled pink about the concept of getting out of trouble because the Ferris the movie, Bueller way. Because the movie's from like 1987, and for some reason I've never thought about it until now. It's a good one, but and again, with, without Jeffrey Jones, I'm just saying him chasing after and obsessing over Ferris Bueller is a lot creepier now. There's a lot of Jeffrey Jones in this podcast, and I think we have to have a Jeffrey Jones update, like we do. The, oh, oh, still a piece of shit. <sighs> Not dead yet. Those are always what happens no, usually. But as I told you outside uh, before we recorded this, that they are killing him off in the Beetlejuice franchise, and rightly so, so that they don't have to deal with it. So, so the, the way he's going to be explained away, his absence is that he's dead. And I saw someone on Twitter write, this is the one franchise where that is not an acceptable answer. It is tough. It is tough. <laughs> so, so does that a mean world where the dead interact. So does that mean he's in it then? I... <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. I ate at a restaurant recently. Yeah. And it had, on. it's all like 80s, 90s themed stuff. So there was like a Jason mask. And uh, there were things like the, the Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice was yeah. a burger and it was three patties. And the TMNT had four patties and the game and over they were green. The game over man that was five patties on it, but everything was something eighties themed. So here's a Fuddruckers update. Ooh, because we talk about Fuddruckers. One of the last lines of the new movie Lisa Frankenstein is the awkward dad saying his daughter's like, "Let's go to Fuddruckers," and because it, it was set in nineteen eighty nine, and that made me laugh because we had just talked about Fuddruckers <laughs> and how we haven't seen one in thirty years. <laughs> but that's what you'd See, have done in nineteen eighty nine. Why? Why are we just predicting these things right before they come out? 
This is, it is weird. It is uncanny, but I would not know because you keep telling me I forget every conversation we have the second we're done with it. It's true. Uh, I enjoyed a lot Heather Langenkamp in this movie. I thought she was excellent, and it's weird yeah. to me she never got any other leads after this one of, of note because she was really good in this movie. You know, I think I like the babysitter better. Oh, no, I love the babysitter. I thought she was great. I I was really bummed. There were very few deaths in this movie. It's true. Like It's a different kind of movie. It was movie. four. If you count the, the, the hand, two guys at the beginning, the two guys at the beginning, and her husband. husband and her, yeah. But I like the babysitter. So when she died, I was super sad. It was she was great. There's also a way to watch the movie where she's the bad guy for a long time, where you suspect that the, that twist is coming. Really? She's, if you watch the movie, up until the time when she stands up for Dylan at the hospital. Okay, because the babysitter yeah. was the like the only real advocate for the kid Dylan, right? And he, she cared. She was genuinely caring. She, like I don't even see. I'm that. not saying that that you shouldn't trust people like that, but I have a hard time trusting okay, so, people like that in movies. How do you see it? Like I don't. Well, there's a stalker going on, and it. Cuts oh yeah, to I her. forgot all about that. It cuts to her at times where they're trying to make her suspicious. It seems. I missed it completely. Yeah. There, there's cutaways to her looking at things where it's like, well, that's an interesting cutaway. Are you supposed to be, am I supposed to be questioning? I think you're supposed to be questioning a little bit if she's, she's involved in some way. Oh, in what's happening to her. you know, I just kind of brushed it off as, Oh, look at her. She's from the nineties. And it works if it does, because it's a nice moment when Freddie, uh, when Dylan is falling asleep and Freddie shows up behind her and rises up behind her. It's like, Oh, she's not the bad guy. Like oh. it's, it's a perfect little moment. That by the way, is the death, the famous death from the original Tina, being dragged across the ceiling and cut apart, but you get to see him do it because it's, it's different rules. It's a very cool callback. Oh, that famous okay. scene done differently, where you see her getting dragged. You can see. Freddie oh, that's doing really it. cool because it was a standout scene, and you this, know, by itself without they, having the context. And this is how they recreated it in cool. a way that was completely new. That's really cool. It's a very cool movie. All right, because I liked it. You know, back in the '90s when I watched it for the first time, I hadn't been watching my favorite guy. I hadn't. I guess I had fallen out with the the whole franchise after a while. The five and six are bad, right? Well, so maybe I had just kind of stopped somewhere in there, and I hadn't seen any of the new ones. Because again, I, slashers were never really my thing, so I didn't watch any of the Friday the Thirteenth. I didn't watch any of the Halloweens. Really, I just didn't care. I'd pop in, you know, every now and then. Well, what makes Heather Langenkamp so interesting in this series is that she does it three times. She plays the teenaged final girl. In the original, she plays the mentor passing the torch in the third one, and then she does a version of herself in the meta version of the seventh one. And she's not my favorite final girl, the Heather Langenkamp slash Nancy Thompson. Not my favorite one. Everybody knows Jimmy, Jimmy Fields is my favorite one, even though she's only in one movie. Which one was that? Friday the 13th, part two. I'm just going to stare at you blankly because I don't it. remember which one was part two. The one we watched where you got the sack, old sackhead. Oh, that was I, a good one. My favorite character, and Laurie Strode is the the best one. So she's neither the best nor my favorite, but it's up there because she gets to do three completely different versions of this character, and it's very cool. Other than Laurie Strode, I don't think any characters had that many versions. Like where you different see them iterations yeah. of the character. Yeah. All right, I'll buy it. And I never really thought she was that good in the first one or the third one, but I really thought she was good in this one. Well, there must know. be because of the mother aspect that something she could connect to and make it. You and I will have to disagree because the babysitter was the star. Yeah, well, whatever her name was, she's a star. That's Tracy Middendorf. I didn't make it up. That's her actual name. name is Tracy. Harry Middendorf. Potter world. Yeah, pre Harry Potter. Dimbledorf. 
Middendorf. Middendorf. That's her name. What do you want from me? I didn't name her. I'm sorry. I don't mean. Maybe I, I look it up, but I know I'm right. I shouldn't be laughing at somebody who I really liked and I like their performance a lot. So I humble apologies. I I think it was great. But yeah, she was all right. I don't know. She sounds like she should live in the Shire. You know what I realized too at the very beginning when they're working on the the claw and you see it and it comes to life. I really like detached hands running around and do it like in the evil, evil dead, dead uh, the Adams family. Yeah. I love them. So I'm like, look at that hand go. It was super cool. I yeah. can't think of any other movies with hands that are evil or just hanging out. I'm not saying her husband deserved to die, but it's a pretty big secret to keep from your wife. The oh. star of the franchise that you're working on the franchise. And she clearly has some sort of PTSD over yes. being on it. And then the fact that it's actually coming to light. It's a le- well, she doesn't though. She doesn't have PTSD from the thing. She's very dismissive of the movie at first. It's when it starts affecting her son that she realizes there's something. It seemed like the kid had problems before that, though. You know, hey, yeah. is that, is he from something? Because he looks really familiar. Was he a popular child? Normally, that's my thing. I know, remembering child actors. and But well, I feel like he I was believe, in stuff. I believe it's Gage from Pet Cemetery. It is. That's where I know yeah. him from. I'm, I'm pretty positive. That's right. I'm not just positive. <sighs> I'm B positive, like that song, like my blood type. I'm looking it up for you. All right. Well, I think you're right. I don't need you to look it up. You don't need to look up anything. I am so sure that it was Pet Cemetery, not Pet Cemetery 2, because I never saw that one. So there's no way I would have. No, Pet Cemetery 2 is Edward Furlong. Oh my God. I forgot that he was in that movie too. Mm -hmm. Good for Edward Furlong. Yeah. I heard he was a dick from you on this podcast. Well,. I mean, good for him for being in something and me remembering that he was in it. So I guess really that's a good for me. Good for me, Pete. Good for me. It was. Pet Cemetery. It was him. Yep. All right. I knew that. I knew that bull haircut. I had that bull haircut and it wasn't me. So I knew it was that kid. He plays a good, creepy, cute kid. So like maybe I just naturally remembering him from Pet Cemetery. I knew there was something wrong with him right out of the gate. So yes. I, I didn't really think it was him being possessed by or He's having nightmares. One of our best creepy kid actors. I really love the scene where at the playground and he climbs up the. Oh yeah, that was really cool. And then he's he's saying, uh, "God wouldn't take me." Yeah, God wouldn't take me because he was trying to get away from Freddy, like, and he wanted to go see his dad after his dad had been killed by Freddy's hand. That's right. And it, well, singing "Losing My Religion," which must have cost him a fortune. Oh, I didn't. You know what? I didn't even notice the background music. So well, he's that singing. Was wasted it. money. He's also singing it. In the car. He was yawning. He's like, that's me in the corner. Well, guess what? I missed that part. <laughs> You're not very observant. <laughs> no, we've, we've established that. Everyone's established that. Did you see that the coroner, who she she has to go to to see the body, that is uh, the cameraman from Scream? I did not notice that. Little yeah. hidden Easter egg yeah, that you just, just revealed to me. Kenny and Scream two years later. I'm sorry you're dead, Kenny, but get off my fucking car. That's right. That's the line. My fucking windshield. Oh, yeah. Right. Mm, I stand corrected. That's right. And he also was in Deadwood, like many people, including Jeffrey Jones. <laughs> Christ. It's the, all roads. All the circle of roads, life. All roads lead to Jeffrey Jones today. I don't know why. It's a, it's a scary road with an unhappy ending. <laughs> well, let's get off the Jeffrey Jones topic and talk about this cute kid. Oh, shit. <laughs> you know, I had... I had a bone to pick with you. Sorry, I had my. I have a bone to pick, sir. Yeah, I'm ready. With your, we we did the the updates. Your your screen, your Halloween. Your what what is your website there? What is this thing we do? 
Scream. Scary Podcast. It seems like it's a Scream thing. We talk about Scream a lot. Do we talk about it more or less than Jeffrey Jones? The last like couple of days, it's, <laughs> it's, it's sketchy. But anyway, in the Scare Value, you have the Hall of Fame and the, the awards given once a year. Yes. Why isn't Poltergeist in that? That should have been there right out of the gate. Well, it can't win any awards because it didn't come out in the last two years. Mm, the Hall of Fame. No. Lifetime Hall. That should have been the first one there. Uh, it was caught gambling on baseball, and it's banned from the Hall of Fame. What? He, it never bet against itself, goddammit. It, it, <laughs> it only bet on bet. itself to win. Yes, and that should be allowed. <laughs> I can't believe you knew a baseball reference. <laughs> I know. Well, his name was Pete Rose. That's What's true. my name? I know my Pete's. <laughs> You say what's my name, and I'm curious if you were asking or if sometimes sometimes it is a genuine ask. I forget what I'm doing, and that really creams my cheese. Do you remember the babysitter's name? I can't remember it now. I just kept calling her Blondie in my head. Yeah, she was Deborah. No, I don't think so. Barbara. No, we're not doing this. We're not doing Justine. Open open the wrong open the wrong box again. Well, I have Valentine written down. Oh, that's the wrong sheet. Well, that's no good. So John Saxon's in this movie, and he's always good. I only remember him from... Enter the Dragon? No, this movie. Oh. What else was he in? He's in the first one. <laughs> he's in the third one. He's in Black He's in Black Christmas. <laughs> I, I've never seen Black Christmas either. Black Christmas, which has the famous line that calls from inside the house. He is not the guy who delivers that line. He's the guy who implores the other officer to not tell her. That he's in the house. And he immediately is like, the calls come from inside the house. Like, it's one of my favorite little, little things. It's like how Roy Scheider says, we need a bigger boat three times if you only really remember the one. It's like that. It's like, oh, that famous moment where the calls come from inside the house. The guy who's screaming, don't tell her that is John Saxon. <laughs> Good. Also, also playing a cop. I like his creds. I'm a big John Saxon fan. Uh, he's, he's a character actor who pops up in a lot of things if you're watching 60s, 70s, 80s. Oh, one of those guys. Yeah. And always good always good and really good in the series you passed away <laughs> i God waited for you to get the water to your, to your mouth damn it you wait till i'm trying to take a drink and when you drop oh who died lately on i had to drag that sentence out until you got the water to your lips yeah because i could see you i'm like ah, he's taking his time i can get me a leisurely drink over here and no that's payback for you shutting down every attempt i had to make a joke last episode yeah but I don't do that intentionally. That's right. just my natural instinct. That's why I'm never mad about it. It's just like, man, he's really not going to, just everything is going to be, no, it's not like this. It's like this. I don't even know there's a joke happening. I'm just living my best life out here. Yes. Watching my Freddy Krueger with his sweet, sweet hands. Although, he was my favorite, and I think we've talked before how Sam, my eight-year-old, loves Jason. Yeah. Like, a lot. So I don't know what that means about popularity for them. I don't know if people care about Freddy that much anymore, do they? No, and that's, you know, that was, if you think back, that was the plot of Freddy versus Jason 20 years ago. <laughs> it sure was. Nothing's happened in the last 20 years to make him more popular. So just consider that for a second. Have we had a Friday the 13th since then? Just the one 2009 remake. I don't even had, remember it. We had 2009 remake of Friday the 13th and a 2010 remake of... No, oh, right. I've completely forgot both of those, and I well, know we've talked about them, but the, I don't care. So Jason, I one's, Jason one's good, Freddy one's terrible. And it doesn't, it's CGI crap, and it doesn't understand why the first one works at all. And also, the first one works because what it's doing is new and fresh and creative in a slasher genre that's already starting to wear thin by 84. It's new ideas, new concepts, new techniques. 
very very charismatic lead. Okay. Uh, well, the lead villain, I mean, and that's why it works. And you can't recreate that. So, like, if you're going to make another Nightmare on Elm Street movie, don't make a remake. Because a re- you can't recreate what Wes Craven was doing at the time period he was doing. No. But you can make more sequels. That's why the Friday 13th one will work, because you can always just make a sequel to Friday 13th. Right. He's back. And it depends exactly. on what tone. It's, Doesn't it's matter. gone into the, it's just what iteration are we getting now? It's yes. not a continuous story. It's a. Yeah. So, there's, there's always talk about how they're going to make another Freddy movie, because people do have the rights to it. The West Craven estate had it, and they've been taking pitches. There's a way to do it. I, There's been concepts that haven't been used in the series that are interesting to me. I haven't been able to think of anything, mostly because I've never tried. Yeah. But what? how would you bring it back now? What story is there to tell? Well, I think you start the same way you started the 2003 one. You just do it better. People forgot. And that's, you know, start from there. Like a re-origin story, having to work his way back into Nightmare. All right. And he's... So I it mean, has to be stripped down. I would make it much more low budget than they probably will. Don't make it shiny and glossy. No, because, you know, watching what really, again, stands out. <laughs> I keep saying it again, even though I didn't bring it up before. But the CGI of the 90s stands yeah. out and detracts from the movie. Yeah, I would Every- do a very simple horror movie about somebody be plagued by nightmares and then their friends dying. It's like it's it's not a remake of the original. It's just taking that concept and making it well, modern. Sure. Sort of like Evil Dead did with its remake, where it just kind of stripped it down and went for a very violent, intense, bloody version of it. I would make like the discovery of the Freddy Krueger lore that we already know from the movies part of the fun of the movie for the for the you know watching a new one. So it's a sequel. It's not a remake. The lore of what happened. You can look into news articles of famous events that happened in the series. Like that would be interesting to me. Connected to it, it's a legacy. So make a legacy sequel. You can bring Heather Langenkamp back. You can do anything you want to do. Yeah, what is she doing these days? Probably she, nothing. No, I seen her. I saw her on some podcasts talking when these anniversaries come oh, up. Oh yeah, these movies right. We talked about that. She's really into the yeah. the horror thing. Oh, she's somebody. Friends, she's friends with Barbara Crampton. I know that because I saw them on a podcast together recently. I is it weird that it makes me really happy that the two of them are friends? They have a group of of, of horror icons, uh, all these horror ladies that uh, kind of text chains. What? And they, go, they go to dinner sometimes. Do they have a cool name for themselves? Like the ladies of horror, not just Scream Queens, because everything is Scream Queens. They're, uh, I, think, I hope they're called Barbara Crampton and the Scream Queens. <laughs> Barbara and the Cramptons? Mm. <laughs> it one. made me happy that they were friends. Right, it did. All right, I don't feel weird now. Thank you. Yeah. Made me feel all safe. Now, Heather Langenkamp in real life at the time this was made, was married to, uh, just like in the movie, to a special effects person. This was not her husband playing himself, but the character's based on her real husband. Okay. I, well, see, that was that blending of the stuff, yes. not knowing. So I had to kind of like, that was my little detective game while I'm watching, trying to figure out what's real and what's not. Yes, that, that was really the head of New Line Cinema that's pitching her on the thing. Okay. And her, her... So he was pretty good for a guy who's not an actor. Yeah, he, don't tell him that because he was very egotistical. Oh, was he? So, oh, man. A, a famous story from this franchise. I, is, I bought it. He and Wes Craven butted heads on the original because he wanted certain ideas in the movie. And Wes Craven just basically was like, fine, I'll fucking put him in there. And some of the things that don't work, like when she's running up the stairs and she gets caught in the stairs, but you can oh. see that's an effect. Yeah. it's. But he's like, there's no way to do this, but he wants it. So we put it in there. And then the whole concept of the ending, which is always rushed and weird and doesn't really work, that was his ending. And the story is that he tacked it on there without Wes Craven knowing. And he's like, I just don't care anymore, which is why he didn't work on the series for so long. Oh. But he came back and got through this one and he put Bob Shea in it. And he's like, that's basically how I think I got it greenlit. As I said, there'll be a part for you playing yourself. So this goes back all the way to two. The guy who made two, Bob Shea wanted to be in the movie. So he's like, fine, we'll put you in the movie. And he is the leather clad 
gay bar bartender. <laughs> he and just went with it to be in the movie? He he didn't. I don't think that he realized. One of the things about part two was that nobody at the time making it, they claimed to not realize how homosexual the movie was. Oh, I didn't even, even know. Even though it is very overt. Okay, I, did, I, don't, I haven't seen it. So. Including a scene where the character walks into a, a, a gay bar, leather bar. And there's a guy and the dog mask <laughs> on and, and the chain. Bob, yes, and Bob Shea is there with his... With his leather, so he had to go pick out the outfit. He had to go buy things, and he was there with his daughters buying the outfit. And he was like, "I think that's when he realized, like, what are they doing?" <laughs> but they did it just to be like, "Fine, fucking be in the movie." So he'd always been a little too hands on with the series, All but right. he is good as himself. I guess so. His sister. Don't tell him that though. His sister is Lynn Shay from. All of those movies. From those movies with Patrick Wilson? Who She's in this I one. I saw him in something, too. She's in She's, this one. Lynn Shea was in the movie I just watched? She's a nurse in this movie. Which nurse was she? Those nurses were... Not one of the two that she fights with. She's one that's just there in the hospital. I missed her. She oh. is a teacher in the original, and she is a nurse in this one. So it was another fun callback. But they do a lot I of callbacks to the originalness. They screw your pass. That's a line from the original. The what? I don't... She's walking... Because the whole world is turning into the world of the Freddy movies around Heather Langenkamp. Right. That Whatever that's. Yep. In the original movie, she's following Tina's body in her, in the body bag she's in, being dragged down the hallway. And she turns the corner and she runs into a person wearing the Freddy sweater. And it's another student. She goes, where's your pass? And she goes, screw your pass. And then he turns into Freddy and is like, I'm coming to get you, bitch. You know, this okay. he does. In this one, she runs into somebody in the hospital and she's like, where's your pass? And she's like, screw your pass. And she doesn't even realize she's becoming part of the story again. It keeps these callbacks oh, going. that's cool. It's All right. very cool. All of that was lost on me because yeah. I don't retain things. The movie, like I said, it's brilliant. It just wasn't, people weren't ready for it. No. Or they didn't want it. And here, I have a theory on that. This movie is meta, but not the same way Scream is. This movie is about the effect that making horror films has on the people that make them. Scream is the one that's about the effect that horror movies have on the people who watch them. Which one do you think became the populist hit? <laughs> it's the, it, one yeah, is very right. up its own ass, and one is very inclusive. So one became giant, giant hit. Because it's got the masses behind it. The other one kind of forgotten the by time base. a little bit. Yeah, I, and now I'm still going back to when I watched it. Back when it came out in 1994. You, you did watch it like two days ago. I watched it last night. Last night. So you could go back to then. Then if you want to. This morning. <laughs> you can go back to then if you want. No, no, no. I'm trying to put myself in context because the second time through, I wasn't as appreciative of it. But now talking with you, I'm saying. This happens oh, yeah. a lot with our movies. I know. <laughs> I like it when you tell me how I'm supposed to think. And I feel <laughs> that I can go out and talk to people and I sound all smart. It's great. But I enjoyed it back because it had been so long since i had seen a freddy krueger doing anything yeah. and it was nice to see him come back and i remember being impressed by the actual the story and how it was dark but now i didn't want him dark because i wanted the nostalgia view of him the fun one i see yes do you because so i lost you're catching this at the wrong time yeah, yeah, wrong time for me to have watched it, but it's really solid. Whereas if you had watched 10 full years of six movies before this, and they devolved into self-parody, this would have been perfect. Yeah, and I, or, think, I argue it was. So, And I can see it. There was a lot of fun stuff. Just all those subtle things that I missed because I'm not familiar enough anymore with the, the franchise. Right. Again, you really don't need to know the first one. I haven't seen that in well a long time. A long, long time. Apparently, because I call out things to it, and you're like, oh, yeah, that was in that movie. 
I remember John, and you know the only reason I remember that Johnny Depp got eaten by a waterbed. Mm-hmm. It's because Nicolas Cage introduced him to acting. <laughs> uh, Wes Craven said that he was going to ask Johnny Depp to cameo in this movie, and he didn't want to bother him because he didn't think he'd say yes, which is funny because it just shows how Wes Craven had no idea what was going on in the franchise because he did a cameo in part six. <laughs> I like that about Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp said later, he's like, I would have done it 100%. Well, he did the 21 Jump Street yeah, little cameo. He's like, I would have 100% done it. He's like, because I don't think Wes Craven legitimately didn't know that Johnny Depp had done a cameo in the shittiest one of the movies. And like Wes Craven returning, the guy who gave him his break, thanks to, thanks to Nicolas Cage. <laughs> thanks to Nicolas Cage, who, if you want a quick fact, I'll give it to you now, since, I don't know, you're busy no, talking about how much asked. you like this movie. Well, I segued into it quite nicely all on my own. You got a little scooter and rode it over here? <laughs> I did. I segued in. What was my fact? I forgot. Well... Obviously, I got a couple, a couple quick ones. The four movies that he says are left in the tank, I mentioned Long Legs, and apparently that's coming out soon. You did not mention it on Mike. I did, one time. <laughs> well, I mentioned it to somebody at some point in my life, Long Legs, and it's got Nicolas Cage, and it's horror-related somehow. Mm-hmm. It's coming out soon. And it might be a sequel to some other movie. The Black Coat's Daughter. The Black Coat's Daughter. I don't know that that's true. That's just something you told me without being able to tell me the name of the movie you were saying. Yeah, but it's the black, and I don't know what it's about either, but this might be the sequel to it. So check that out. And what was, what knickknack fact do I want to give you today? Can I have the shortest one? The shortest one? All right. The shortest one is, do you remember in Batman, the the villain, the egghead, Mm -hmm. who's very pun-centric? Played by Vincent Price in the TV show. You know who wants to play him? Let me me take a guess here. Think (sighs) hard. Don't, it might trick you. Jeffrey Jones. No. You don't think he wants to play him? You don't think he'd take that job if he got a chance at it? I think he would, hey, 100%. Well, we got a little Cliff Clavin, these are three people who've never been in my kitchen situation here. Are you telling me beyond a fact that Jeffrey Jones does not want to play the Eggman in a Batman movie? Well, yeah. Your question was, do you know who wants to play him? I gave you a perfectly reasonable answer and explained myself. Are you sure he doesn't want to play the Eggman? No, I'm not sure, but right. you're, you're well, still wrong. Got some bad facts over here. No, because I have the answer written down right here. And you know what? In point of fact, this is a knick-knack fact, and I wasn't even supposed to ask you a question. That would fall under the (laughs) Cage Quiz hotshot. So, the answer is Nicolas Cage wants to be that pun-centric. Well, that's just a fact. It wasn't a question. It's a fact. Nicolas Cage wants to be Egghead in whatever Batman movie someone will put him in saying puns. Did you like that I knew it was Vincent Price? I was impressed. I had no idea. Color. Yeah, I didn't know. But that's cool. My other nick- my other knickknack fact was horror related. We'll save that for another day. Boy, threaten me with a bad time. Well, and uh, that's the end of my notes. Long legs was horror related. Is what? Long legs was a Nick Cage update that was horror related. Yeah, but that was just like a little freebie. Oh, oh, what a what a lucky day for all of us. <laughs> Feel blessed, everybody. Feel blessed. Let's see who who do you think played themselves the best. You got John Saxon playing John Saxon. You got Heather Langenkamp playing Heather Langenkamp. Robert Englund playing Robert Englund. Wes Craven playing Wes Craven. And Bob Shea playing Bob Shea. I don't. All right, let's. uh, I can't give it to Bob Shea, even though I already said I liked him. Right. Uh, I'm not going to give it to. uh, I don't like Wes Craven. I didn't like him. I don't know why. He just bugged me. Uh Sorry, Wes. I like most of your stuff, but. Well, he's dead now. You know, I knew that was coming, too. I remember that he died. He did too. It was brain cancer. Oh boy. 
You are just hurting me today. These are facts. I know. Your facts are cruel and cold, and it reminds me we live in a heartless world. Facts don't have emotions, and facts don't have opinions. But I do. I have them. <laughs> I forgot what I was saying. Surprise, surprise. You've eliminated two of the five two people. Two of the five. Themselves. And then I... Mm, I like John Saxon. He played... When he drove away, and she was like, no, no, stay. Uh, oh, man, she kind of killed him, though. She's like, oh, come back. My, your son is having an episode. And he's like, all right. That's and, not John Saxon. That is her husband. John Saxon plays her father in the original oh, yeah. movie. Yeah. Her husband was... Mm, her husband played... Her husband's I don't character like named him. Chase. Yeah. He didn't like her father? I love no, that it no, went from... I want him gone. I love that they played John Saxon himself as a caring friend who's worried about Heather and her son. And then when he morphs into the father from the original, he's back to being an uncaring, unbelieving father who's like, yeah, sure. That was a really good performance. It's a great, that's an original line from, a line from the original movie too, where she says, you know, it's Freddy Krueger. And he goes, yeah, sure. That's that's the part of the original movie. He just morphs right back into the, I'm not listening to you my know, child. And thank you. That's helped solve this dilemma. I don't like anybody who turned into somebody from the universe. Okay. So, so who does that leave me? That leaves Bob Shea that and Wes Bob- Craven and Robert Englund. All right, I'm going to take Robert Englund then, because I like Freddie. How do we know that Robert, because Robert Englund went missing, remember? They called. I do like, know. So maybe he actually turned into the 10,000 million year old demon, and he turned, so he turned into the movie too, because he turned into Freddie. I really love the scene. She's going to not answer me, because I think it happened. I said, we, yeah, we don't know. Okay, because he turned into him. No, because that makes no sense, because we know what it is. It's an evil entity crossing over who took the form of Freddy. I think he turned into the movie, so he's out. I guess it's Bob Shea. God damn it. No, good for Bob Shea. God. I've been waiting for this moment a long time. <laughs> anyway, I like the scene where after they, they do the talk show that we listened to at the beginning, where Heather's waiting for Robert Englund, who's getting swarmed by people for autographs, and she's just, nobody cares about her, which is why it's funny to me. She lives in this gorgeous house in L.A., She's she's you know she's the lead guest on a talk show where they're going to surprise you with Robert Anglin. I could never really get my hands on where she's, but she's also no, the person nobody cares about when it's over. I could never really quit my finger on what they thought of her in this universe, her level of stardom. You know what? I never vocalized it the way you have, but you're right. That I could never figure out what they meant. It was weird and unsettling. You don't know what her status is in yes. society. Yes. Where do you fit into this? I also, when she turns back into Nancy and accepts it, when she says, I love you too, daddy, and she accepts it, right. the house behind her changes, the outside of it changes into the original Nightmare on Elm Street house. I did not notice. How do you not notice when she turns around the house? Know. It's completely different. I was tired. The inside's the same. I had to I had to turn it on this morning to figure out who the best boy was. Like oh, to rewatch the, uh, I believe I believe that there was, but I foolishly threw my notes down <laughs> in a moment of triumph after delivering a Nick Cage fact, and now I have to find it again. Yeah, here it is. There was. Uh, this is one of those split decision ones, and I never like it, where there's a best boy electric and a best boy grip, and there's not a true best boy. Well, there is one we're going to discover. All right. Well, the best boy electric was Troy White, and the best boy grip was Larry Roth. Oh, Larry Roth's a much cooler name. You think so? Mm-hmm. Now, because I was disappointed, I was looking for who else was in the credits, and there was an eel wrangler. And well, the eel was wrangler's eel. name was Sean Lally. From the Aquarium Center. So, I want to throw him into contention for the best boy of this movie. There were eels. There were, and he wrangled them. Apparently. How well do you think he wrangled them? That scene where he where she stabs Freddy in the eye with the eel, when they've crossed over to his fairy tale nightmare universe, yeah. has my favorite all-time fuck you moment in the history of film. 
because the way the camera moves I'm, when I'm it cuts back staring to her, at you yeah and she's she's been you know he's been trying to kill her and she stabs him in the eye and she turns around and she's like fuck you and it's such a fucking awesome well because it's so earned for yep. a character for a decade having put up with his shenanigans in, and nonsense in, in fake movies and in real life and he's got her son and she delivers the best fuck you and punches him in the face and it's so fucking cool i can see that i'll buy that that was good it was yep. cool yep i like it it was uh, i enjoyed the movie i really this did is a rare final girl as a mother story you don't get that a lot this is why it's again her thing is so cool that she's she's got the teenage version, the adult psychologist version, and then she's got the real no, life. Well, because you you kind of get that if I'm looking at Scream with Sydney Prescott, like you're getting the different you know. In five, she comes back and she has kids, but the kids are not in peril. Right, right. I'm just yeah. saying showing a person at different ages because yeah. it's a long enough yeah. franchise. Her character doesn't change as much as no. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm struggling to think of any other final girl with children. Like even you know you get well uh, Halloween H two O, but it's an oh. older kid. He's seventeen. I don't even but, remember. But you do get that where the kid, her kid is the one in peril. I mean, I guess you get it with Judy Greer in the later ones too, but like she's an adult. Like that's, that uh, you're past the point of. Yeah, not a little, it's not that fear of having a, a little kid killed. That's a granddaughter in danger, I guess we can take that one. But for like, listen, I love Judy Greer, but like Lori Strode, her job shouldn't be to protect her, her grown ass daughter. <laughs> right. Yeah. Kind of on your own at that point. And she <laughs> doesn't because she dies in the second one. That's what my mom told me. Yeah. Like, push you out of the nest and fly away. I'm like, but I'm not a bird, and this is an elevator. It was <laughs> awful. <laughs> it hurts. This uh, movie had also a really good funeral scene. Very creepy in a way that isn't the normal Nightmare on Elm Street creepy, because it's not Freddy. Well, you see Freddy pull the sun down a thing, but then the body of the husband comes out with his eyes bleeding. He's oh, like, yeah. stay with me. And they're like, that was like legitimately creepy in a the, way that these movies are not. The tunnel and everything, the whole grave yeah. scene was really, it stand out. It has standout dream sequence. Not that, the ending one. So the ending, that rushed ending with the stairs, it's, it was annoying with the stairs. Like you can see that it's, I assume it's supposed to be a dream well, and everyone has that dream of slowing down and not catching, you know, sure. you can't reach something in time. But the tongue was super awesome. Yeah. They put the stairs part in because of the original, where yeah. it's funny. I just, as I mentioned earlier, yeah. that's when Bob Shea was like, he demanded it. So they just like put oatmeal right. in there. We're like, we'll try it. It never looked good. So I just thought it was funny. They had to call back to the thing that he never wanted to do in the first place. It was like an olive branch to him. Like, here, remember remember your great idea? Right. It, well, it was annoying again. I don't, I don't yeah. care. But, I never liked that bit. But that tongue was really, really cool. Just yeah. the way it was cut because she had pinned good, it down good effects too when he's opening his mouth his jaws to oh right i completely yeah. forgot that was awesome some good practical effects yeah i don't know i think he should have eaten that kid which came out first this or pet cemetery the egg <laughs> which came out first the one where the kid is like eight or ten or the one where he's two hmm they look the goddamn same this was six years after pet cemetery yeah they look the same they do they look the exact same so later then so he was older in this one all right yeah. I was just thinking if they ate him now, it would have solved the problem. Well, or ate him first. The problem would have been fine if they just left him on the road. <laughs> I don't, just let the, the prisoners come by and clean it up. Again, I don't know how they found enough to bury him. And I don't know did how he, he came hit, out looking did fine. Did he get hit really bad? I don't it, I don't remember the movie. In Pet Cemetery? Well, he gets hit by a semi-truck going full speed. And somehow he comes out with like a, a little gash on his face. And I'm like, no, I don't believe that that's what would happen. No, it'd be like a little mist. <laughs> exactly. Last time we talked about this, whatever episode it came up, did they just put in like Ziploc bags of pieces? 
of him. Yeah, because that's all that'd be left. You ever, you've seen deers get splattered by, you know, it's like this. this that's no. why I hang out on the expressways every night. <laughs> that's right. I just wait there. You put know, a lawn shot, chair out. They shot Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, the Michael Bay movie, on that throughway. I watched that movie a lot. It's got Green Arrow in it. It does have Green Arrow in it. they're on the 33, and I went, ooh, I know that exit, and it's exciting. I do too. It's, it's weird to watch because it is very much the 33. Yeah. They were doing repairs on it, so they were able to close it down, and they had this long strip where they could just race down there all they wanted to. The little two-mile road <laughs> through the middle of a residential neighborhood. And you see it, and you're like, I've been on that road. They're going to cover it up or tear it up. A Quiet Place 2 was shot around here, too. It was on the bridge between Grand Island and Niagara Falls. There was parts over like the other way, too. They did stuff down in... Like you're talking about north of us, they did stuff a little down south of us too. And I was talking about the last of us. Oh, I was talking about not north of us, not south of us, the last of us. I see what you're saying. You're wasting my time again. (laughs) We're a great comedy team because you shut me down and I just don't react to you. Like you get your punchlines out and I ignore them. I can't get mine out because you're like, nope, nope, that's not what it was. Nope, nope, nope. Nope. I, we need to take this act on the road. We need to get out <laughs> That's there. what your wife said. <laughs> she always says, where do you think I got this idea from? She said, you guys should take this and get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. It's actually, actually the second best fuck you I've seen. Is that what she's saying? I thought she was saying, you guys are really great. You should take this and share it with the world. Get out there. You know, it's, no, cause the way she phrased it. You know who needs to hear this? Not me. Hmm. You and I interpret things very differently clearly yes i know <laughs> the, i never saw a quiet place 2 i never saw the first one but i saw the uh, look the first was really good i saw the trailer for part Quiet Place two and i was like this looks exactly like all of because we have a lot of cool things that are we have great architecture downtown but like there are forgotten parts of like suburbs that like south town suburbs that are like stuck in the past well the, the thing is buffalo never had like the revitalization yes, we never like, renovated it yeah so like other places in the 80s yeah. and stuff got torn down to make way for strip malls <laughs> nobody, and whatever. Nobody gentrified our area. No. So not- you get some cool shit, though. There's just like boxcars just sitting around and like they the, the use granaries, this, even the in the trailers. Yeah, even in the trailer, you can see a lot of that stuff. And I'm like, this fucking looks great for a post-apocalypse. <laughs> but that, what does that say? That's just where we live. <laughs> well, yeah, it is a post-apocalypse. I know. I mean, from what I understand, it's not Detroit. That's what the Internet makes fun of. If we're to be compared to somebody. We're not as dangerous. Because not enough people live here to be have their numbers. That's true. Yeah. We just don't. Yeah. Also, I think we just like our shittiness. I like it. Do I like you, to go hang out in it. They give you tours of it. They're like they charge you money to go look at the garbage. Guillermo it's del, great. Guillermo del Toro loves it. He's been here three times shooting movies. What are the three movies he did? I don't remember. He I said know, he'd been here for three. I know he did that one with Bradley Cooper. Yes. And and he'd done one before that and he might have done something else here too, maybe short films or something. But he talked about how he'd done a, multiple things here and he was probably planning on coming back. It's you can't pay for some of the stuff that's just been left here to rot. Yeah. <laughs> you can't pay for it. Well, it would you can. You just have to recreate it on a soundstage and it'll cost a lot exactly. more than just going, Hey, look, look at this. I they I'm sure that I know that John Krasinski, when he made that movie, they were out here location scouting, and they, they were like, they found too many things that were interesting because, like, they just left this here, this train's just sitting here, this, you know, this building is just condemned, but we just never got rid of it. Yep. 
we're perfect we're, for for that movie. We're starting to now, but we're repurposing. We're not tearing down and rebuilding. We're keeping it yeah. and just trying to find out what to do with it. <laughs> we should shoot horror movies there. Well, um, there was a horror movie. I think it was the uh, or turtles movies. One or of the turtles. Tur- I'll take both, man. Yeah. A turtles horror. Ooh, yeah. Why hasn't that been done? Wasn't the original comic more of like a adult thing? Well, it was a straight up parody of Daredevil. Oh and, yeah, you told me that. Right, right. But it was it was more violent, more dark. There was no horror, but I'm sure there's ones because they had. I've seen them at stores recently where they have the turtles as um, universal monsters. Oh, nice! Like uh, Donatello's Frankenstein. I think. Let me guess who April O'Neil is. <laughs> Gilman. <laughs> yeah, it was Gilman. Can't remember who anyone else I mean, was. You would think that Splinter would be the Wolfman. I think Michelangelo was Wolfman. That actually. makes no sense, dude. I'm just pulling these out of my obviously ear. Obviously, the Bride of Frankenstein is Leonardo, and Casey Jones is Jason Voorhees. That would make sense. No, he just is Jason Voorhees. No, yeah, there's no change. It's just <laughs> no, the Casey Jones a, action figure. Not a classic Universal monster. He just is Jason Voorhees. Mm. Yeah, I get it. It's who he is. <laughs> Baxter Stockman is the Fly. There was <laughs> I'm starting to get the impression they ripped off a lot of things for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They sure did. That stuff is groundbreaking. It'll fit any format. Who are the turtles gonna fight? Who knows? That was all I had on the turtles. What is like Kang? Kang? He's a conqueror, we know that. He was also a brain. Yes. Who hung out with Pinky, who was a mouse. I never saw that show. I never saw the show, but it was on Animaniacs, which was fantastic. I never saw Animaniacs either. You, what were you doing? Watching Conan the Barbarian, the cartoon, or the Power Rangers? No, neither of those. I don't even think the first one's real. <laughs> I think Gargoyles is on too. I after didn't watch school. Gargoyles either. Man, you are missing out. One time in Gargoyles, the the cop, the lady cop, accidentally shot somebody, and it was like deep and stuff. And this is what they talked about in a kids' show after school. It's pretty cool. That was, that was my gargoyle. I think gargoyles is coming back somehow. It, it is, I believe. Yeah, I've, I've heard rumblings, and by heard, I mean I think I've seen things while I'm scrolling other things. Yeah, I saw headline. Yeah, I, I saw, saw headline. Headline the shit out of that one. Yeah, Keith David. Keith David. He played the. He voiced the gargoyle, didn't he? Oh, I think he did. Yeah. President Palmer. No. No, Keith David's not President Palmer. That's racist, man. It's Black History Month. <laughs> what was president palmer's name dennis haysbert ah that was it i haven't seen him since he was on that show with angel where they were soldiers i think it's two different shows but the same I don't premise. Think that's right he was definitely in 24 and he was definitely in major league <laughs> and he was he's an all-state guy i haven't seen major league in too long i have but i've seen major league too recently oh yeah just yesterday that's what they pull a they pull a Texas switch at that one, and Omar Epps is now Wesley Snipes. Yeah, <laughs> they did, I, and they were like, "That's fine." I no guess. one's gonna notice. Let's just slide that in there. He can't get traded or anything. He just not be in the movie. We gotta have we gotta have the character. Right. Such an important integral character to the second movie. That was really weird. They never made the third one about that team. They I got, never saw the third. They one. went back to the minors with Scott Bakula who leaped into a minor league baseball player for the second time. Because I believe that happens in the original show, too. They they never... The, the thing is, the first major league ends with them 
winning the division, but going out in the first round. The next one gets, they get to the World Series and they lose. Yeah. The obvious third one is they have to win the World Series. Of course. They went back to the minors. Oh, that's right. That was the third one. Back to the minors. Yeah. I didn't. Like the only guy who's back is Corbin Burnson, which explains why they couldn't win the championship, I suppose. I remember there was somebody who was somebody back when that movie came out, and I remembered him, but now I don't. Is it Scott Bakula, like I said? No, it's not Scott Bakula. He was always somebody. But I remember him from Necessary Roughness. I think you're right. There was somebody. Yeah. But I hate I how. I'm right. I hate how, like, that works in my brain the same way it works in yours, where I'm like, oh, there was somebody who was somebody, but they're really not. No, that's exactly that's the scientific term you've placed when you're forming a hypothesis. You go, it's the somebody who looks like who was a somebody, but he's really not a somebody. Yes, and the worst part is I had a face pop in my head. Yeah, and oh, I, I feel like I feel like it's the replacement mechanic from Wings. <laughs> that is the face that I. It's not, but it Are is. Are you a, sure he's not a that? He's short haired. Bud Square, Bud. Yeah, I don't think it's him. Man, this is fascinating for everyone else. The two of us oh, sharing. I, I oh. apologize, Dennis Haysbert. He came back for Back to the Miners. Oh, it wasn't that. Oh, Walton Goggins is in that movie. What? Walton Goggins is in that movie. I'm a Goggins head. I think this is the person that you thought. I'm Gaga for Goggins. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, that guy, Eric. Rusco Tur. Now the question is, from what, what, what was he in? <laughs> that he was from the thing. He was in the thing. Ben Grimm. Yeah, I thought he was base. married to Alicia Masters. Let's see what he was in. Ben Grimm. We've established this. He was in Major League Two. <laughs> That's where I know him from. So that explains why we knew him in the other one. Was he also? Yeah, Back to the Miners. He was in. He was in. He played Cooter Mankins in Glee. Nope, I never saw Glee. No. Which I think we've also established many times on this podcast. We have. He was also in Quantum Leap once. Maybe that's where I know. Actually, he was in three times it appeared. And he was in The Wonder Years. Hmm. And Beverly Hills 90210. And Crimson oh. Tide. I was a big 90210 guy. And Starship Troopers. Oh, that's probably where I know him from. I still st- I saw that one. And Nude Nuns with Big Guns. I didn't see that one, but I'd like to. It does sound pretty good. 2010 Nunsploitation movie. I did, I did not realize non-sploitation was a thing. Oh, yeah, Ben is. Affleck did it. It's the town. Oh, man, people were so mad when they that trailer. I've never seen people more angry at a trailer in my life. Because oh, I don't, I've never seen the movie. It's so a good trailer up until the last seconds of the trailer where you see the people robbing the bank. And you get the whole Ben Affleck story, and there's these robbers. And then they kidnap the main love interest for Ben Affleck. And you're like, oh, this is interesting. And then he pulls the mask off, and it's Ben Affleck. And the whole theater goes, why would you show me that? <laughs> Because, like, I was in, and now you've shown me the entire movie. But that's not actually true. That's, like, the first scene of the movie. I'm not going to watch that movie. And but I like Affleck. It was, it was the most I've seen a theater turn on a trailer since the time I saw the trailer for Blood and Chocolate. And everybody laughed wildly when the, the title came up. Well, I don't know what Blood and Chocolate is. It was, like, a movie from, I think it was, I saw it on the trailer around 2001, 2000. I was in Ohio. I was in college. And it's one of these, like, you know, independent romance stupid things and then the title just comes up and says blood and chocolate <laughs> and the whole theater just like fucking laughed and laughed and laughed <laughs> that might have been on wild things that i think about <laughs> so that might have been like 98 99 i don't remember i went to school for a long time to not get that degree oh it wasn't even blood and chocolate to make it something that was 2007 oh it must when have been I, a dumber title when i was in ohio when i was in school elementary school they didn't teach me how to write cursive and then i moved to new york nobody does that anymore by the way. No, but when i moved to new york 
Because like in second grade, they taught us something called precursive because apparently we were too slow to learn real cursive. But I get to New York in third grade and everyone knows cursive. And I'm like, what the shit is this? I still don't know what a Z is supposed to be. Like I can't draw it to save my That's life. That's a Billy Madison joke. What is? Where they used to do cursive for this test. And he's like, I know all of it. He's like, okay, spell buzz. And he, that and he just starts scribbling. <laughs> because down. it's real, man. That's real. That, that, that movie resonated with me. And it's why my favorite, it's my favorite. I like it better than Happy Gilmore. 100%. Oh, I like it better than Happy Gilmore. Everybody should. Yes, it's excellent. It's chock full of quotable lines. By the uh, way, R.I.P. Carol Weathers. Uh, I didn't bring it up. I didn't bring it up. <laughs> what? You just did. What do you mean you didn't bring it up? You brought up Happy Gilmore. <laughs> and you were just waiting like a goddamn crocodile. I've been watching a lot of nature documentaries. It was an alligator. He took his hand and then but, he took his eye. But you're like the crocodile that sits there and eats everything that comes up to try to take a drink of water. You're just waiting like, oh, he's going to say something. I'm going to say, that guy's dead now. Or that lady died. It was not on my mind. No, but the second I said something, it's like a... It's a little trapdoor spider that <laughs> jumps back out. That's how memory feels works. Feels the yeah. vibration. That's not how my memory works, buddy. You said Happy Gilmore, and I thought, why was I just thinking of Happy Gilmore? And then I was like, oh, I remember why. He's not going to like it. <laughs> so let's share it with him immediately. Well, that's what we do here. He was oh, yeah. Apollo Creed. He was. He was great. I, he also had a great Arrested Development bit where he played oh. himself, and he was really cheap. Baby, yeah, you got a stew going. I read that he... Uh, was the one who came up with the idea to be portrayed like that. So the story goes, this came up before he died, but it resurfaced after he passed away, where Michael Hurwitz, who created the show, asked him to come on the show. And he's because he wanted to do a Rocky montage with Tobias, the Rocky okay. 3 montage. And he goes, he's like, oh, I'd love to do it. He's like, but it's not just going to be a, a bad Rocky joke, is it? And he's like, no, of course not. He's like, so he never pitched it to him. <laughs> and that was his whole reason for being His whole reason there. for asking. But then he came up with the idea. He's like, you know what I'd like to be? I'd like to be one of those those. I'd like to play a guy who's so cheap that they're just like always looking for he's like, <laughs> table scraps. It's like, so they ran, they ran with it and it's hilarious. He started off then as an acting coach. who yes. just kept mooching on to yeah. everything he could to get free stuff yep. to get a stew going. Yep. I it's like it. pretty great. It made me like a predator's own. I like it. He did a lot of great things. He did predator. He did all the first four Rocky movies. He did, he was Chubbs and happy Gilmore. He was in the Mandalorian. So it was relevant all the way up till now. Yeah. And he was a football player before that. Played for the Raiders. I did not know that. And then he went into acting and was fucking great. And the famous story of him getting the Rocky role was he was reading with Sylvester Stallone, who he knew was the writer of the movie, but nobody knew who Stallone was. And he didn't think he did very well. And he went to the producers and he goes, like in front of everybody, he goes, he's like, he's like, look, man, I could give you more if you gave me a real actor to work with. And he's like, he didn't realize he was working with Rocky. And then Stallone thought that's something that Apollo Creed would say. So he cast him. <laughs> Good. I like Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. He's good stuff. I hope that holds up. What? You always worry about what you, when oh, you. Oh, God, no. You always worry a little bit to, to proclaim that you like something and then find out like two weeks later. And you know, this podcast has magical powers. Well, that, I was more concerned with I just killed Sylvester Stallone. Oh. I don't want that to happen. Well, time will take care of that. But I just more worry about reading headlines one day and never clicking them and finding out that there's a Jeffrey Jones situation again. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be real careful to be like, oh, I really like that guy. Like, no, don't. Yeah, I got to really start harshly thinking about who I talk or what I say before I speak, which I, is my downfall. You have to put asterisks on everything. As of this recording, I really like so and so. Yeah, I was an idiot. <laughs> Please <laughs> delete this podcast. You have to be real careful with that. All right, I'm. You got anything else for this? For what's your nightmare? Yeah.
what did you think of of Robert Eglin's performance in it as the I liked him. It was weird because I'm so used to him just in the makeup and then seeing him at, you know, like conventions or What'd something. What do you think of the, the look he had? Because he's, I think the makeup's great. The bone. The bone hand. Is great. Yep. Trench coat, weird choice. I had Dick Tracy vibes coming from it. It's a weird choice. I, would, I think it looked good, but it's a weird choice when you think about it for one second. Well, you would see the silhouette. So I was thinking Dick Tracy, because that Dick Tracy came out, what, 90, 89, somewhere yeah, in there. Somewhere in there. And it. So it was still kind of fresh. <laughs> it's, I don't know why it stuck with no, me. That silhouette is. He was famously a very yellow trench coat. Yeah, but when you just see the shadow on the wall. Yeah, I guess that's true. So that's what that's what I just kept thinking. No, it's Curious George, whose friend has a yellow trench coat. He's a yellow hat. That's the book I read. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you read about a man in a yellow hat. No, no, it was a yellow trench coat, and he kept asking George to come play with his banana, oh, and he boy. would open it. Oh no! Did your uncle give you that book? That's the book that I remember. <laughs> Oh, man. How does this keep getting down this road? I don't know. Because you keep bringing up traumatic memories from my childhood. I really That's en- how memory works. I enjoyed how Robert Englund, how we got to play it as such a personal thing with Heather Langenkamp. And I, the first time we see her and he's like, Nancy. And he's excited about it. And it's like, I found you finally. I really enjoy how it's this like eternal struggle, even if she's not the same person, between these two iconic ideas of the evil and the good, the final girl and the, the killer. I enjoy yeah. how it became elevated in a way that's not annoying. Yeah. About how it's more than just a movie. It's like a whole timeless tradition of story. Bringing in the entire idea of the mythos. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. And I enjoyed how he played all that. And all their interactions are tremendous. And how slowly he creeps into the world is so great. And the use of earthquakes, which, by the way, the footage they had of that earthquake is because the earthquake happened. Oh, yeah, and right. I remember that. So they went around and they just filmed real damage of everything <laughs> and they were like we got millions of dollars of stuff and we wrote the movie we already were filming the movie when it happened we got millions of dollars of stuff we never could have put in the movie and it looked great you know what while i was looking to find out something more exciting than the best boy and the and the, like i so i found my eel wrangler there were a bunch of different driving teams because they always have like a a person who drives like the captain and the co-captain and stuff but there were multiple different things and that makes sense now because they were driving all <laughs> yeah. over to get footage of yeah they were getting their weight and gold of b-roll footage of actual like destroyed pavement and buildings yep. collapsed that's i it's funny i that was something that i remember a lot from the 90s but i thought that like i like that they worked that into that's him coming into the world yeah. like it it stuck with me from then that's the part i remember from 20 30 years ago the thing i remember and i maybe i'm wrong because i have never been able to find it again but i swear to god there was a trailer for this movie that never had Freddy in it. Yes. I saw that too. I've never found it. And I have a videotape. It's on. This is the problem. I don't have VCR anymore. And I have hundreds of videotapes in my garage. I got a VCR. Well, I have right hundreds there. of videotapes in my garage. And one no, of it's the, an Xbox. I don't remember which video it was, but it's on the beginning, you know, where they put trailers at the beginning of those tapes because they would oh, be super yeah. fucking annoying. Like I bought the movie. Why am I still being sold things? But oh that, yeah. I remember that. That version of the trailer was on it where the only hint that it's a Freddy movie because it's about earthquakes. It's about his new nightmare. And it's a lot about earthquakes is that the wall crack with the four, the slash on it, how the slash, that's the only hint that it is. It's I brilliant. Rem- I remember because I believed that this was not a Freddy yeah. movie based on apparently that one trailer that I saw that does exist because I did not know it was a Freddy movie. I, I thought it. it was something else. It's it not exists. on the internet. 
Don't worry about it. It's out there. It's real. When I tell you, I've checked every corner of the internet. Yeah. You can believe that I'm true. I'm telling you the truth. I have not been able to find the um, the X-Men animated series' theme song, but I know it's real. No, and you I made know it's that up. up. I didn't. It's real. You and made I know it's up. out there. And I know that you made it up because it's sung to the tune of the Spider-Man song. It is absolutely. It's X-Men. No. X-Men. Fighting <laughs> to, to save the world from Magneto. Evil. And, and all those other criminals. See, you know it too. Because you sang it to me for 29 years. Because it's a real thing that you saw with me, and it was every Saturday you morning. believe that it ends with the line, and all them other criminals. Yeah. You just stand by that? Two shoes. Yeah, that's right. It's, that's what it is. It's Chippendale's Rescue Ranger. No, they just use the same music. That happened all the time back then in the, like, uh, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star and ABCDEFG. They just swap the same thing all the time. That's your example? Yeah. Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, ABCDEFG. See, same thing. Just like X-Men and uh, Chippendale. Same thing. Final thoughts on... uh... Your video's out there, and it happened. Yeah. It, it's no freddy it's a brilliant trailer. The no freddy cut the no freddy cut. this is release the no freddy cut <laughs> release the no freddy cut i love how this movie turns into the original movie i love how she has no choice but to accept this to find her son it's so epic to me when she does that everyone turning into their characters is fantastic yes i love when it starts happening around her and she doesn't realize it and then when she does realize it and then when she has no choice but to accept it and that that moment where john saxon turns back around and he's got his badge in the police car and he's in front of the old house it's like that's fucking awesome yep you're in you're in the dream world has now fully blended with reality no, which they always played with and now here it is in some ways it is just Wes craven saying look at the thing i created it is beyond movie it is the biggest story of all time that is everlasting and in some ways he's saying that i guess but really i guess it's about just the notion of the good versus evil but he's putting his thing on that pedestal like it chose this freddy thing it's like uh-huh <laughs> it's chose yeah yeah it wants to stay with it it likes yeah. what you've created this version of yes. itself it's, it's it wants little, to hang out for a while it's a little full of itself i guess well he does i like again he was my favorite of the guys the icon so i'll take it i understand yeah. and he is the most self-involved and self-absorbed of all of them i don't know if he says bitch in this movie I he does i feel like he does i think he must he can't have a movie where he doesn't say bitch yet. no i sw- he said you know three what? on he has to say it. just just it, like it'd be like seeing leonard skinner and they're not gonna play Freebird. bird all, all dead now just like my x-men song and just like your thing it's out there the x-files hmm it's uh, the x-files yeah it's i heard it's coming back again no it can't come back a third time uh it might. I don't know. I haven't paid attention. That was my final thought. I think I heard. I think I saw that headline too. <laughs> That's not a joke either. I think I read that headline and I was like, "No, that can't happen a third time." And well, I moved it on. Must be real then. The last one didn't get good reviews. I never saw it. I didn't either. Hey, you know what? I didn't turn off my phone again, and it hasn't rung. Oh, you're not very popular. No. Oh man. All right. All right. So we did. Uh, That's our first meta horror movie. We never really covered Scream. We covered the series, I guess. I feel like we did. We talk about Scream. I feel like we, if we haven't done an episode for it, we've covered it unlike, just by talking about it. Unlike this one, it's a real tentpole film. It's it's a, a film where movies existed before, and I guess this is true for every movie. Movies existed before and after. <laughs> that sounds like Pete talk. But I guess it's true for every movie. But the way we look at the genre changed with Scream. 
So that's why this is such an interesting movie because it feels like it belongs post Scream, but it squeaked out there two years earlier and just like was left to die on the vine. It's the lowest grossing Freddy movie ever. It's the least successful. And I wonder if it had come out in 1997, if it would have been a hit, probably just because of Wes Craven's name being that hot, it might've been, but like, imagine if that comes out instead of Scream 2 that year, and then we're getting a postmodern Freddy movie, bringing all those people back. I think that would have been huge. It just was. It just missed its time. Do you think he had to learn from the first one though? Like well, he didn't write Scream, so oh, that's right. It was he Williamson, did write this, right? Yeah, he did write this. Okay. So this is hmm. this is such a personal story of him commenting on the work that he did. Where Scream's not that. Scream's commenting on the whole genre, and you needed a fan of Wes Craven movies to write that. Where Wes Craven couldn't write Scream, he could write Wes Craven's Nightmare, and that's that's why it's such an interesting movie. I just wonder. They should have just fucking re-released it. Nobody saw the fucking thing. They should have just re-released yeah. it and said, like, oh, we have another West Craven movie. And, like, you know, Scream set in theaters from December until, like, July. So in August, just throw this back in theaters. It'll probably make you some money. But they didn't... I, don't, I feel like that was new, though. Scream was one of the early ones who did that. I don't remember a movie doing that, like, being re-released. No, back then, Scream was not re-released. It just stayed oh, in theaters yeah, for eight months. But I remember there was a pickup. Didn't it go away for, like, a week and then they came back? Or did it they stay did that every later week? Because they wanted to get across $100 million, so they took it out of theaters when it finished its run they threw it back in there before scream 2 oh. came out probably to try to get over they do this all the time with oh, movies. Okay. but the movie literally sat in the theaters for eight it months. was there for because i saw it a yes buttload of times with you it just kept making enough money to justify being in there and as you know from working in the theaters that's where the theaters finally make money they have to be in theaters for a long time oh yeah i'm sure this is updated by now because nothing stays in theaters anymore no but they make a very small percentage in opening weekend and they make more and more as it goes on yeah. so the longer they could keep something in the theater the better scream was making five million dollars a week for 20 weeks Best thing that ever happened to the theater because that's like ninety percent, like you say, going yeah. right. To, that's why all your popcorn costs thirty dollars. Only in like month seven. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, but you said it changed now, and maybe it's different. It has but to have, popcorn is still thirty dollars. Everything has to have changed now because everything comes to VOD within three weeks. So nothing's going to stay in theaters. You know, I feel like the popcorn market at the movie theater, their prices have yeah. not been hit by inflation. They've always just been really high. They always have been really, really high. I don't think they've really taken any hits. I had some popcorn yesterday. Yeah. And it was terrible, and I loved it. I don't even know what it costs. I remember the last time I went to the movie, I think it was Trolls 3 World Tour or whatever the hell. Well, I can tell you what it costs, because I thought about this last night, because I always get a large popcorn and a large pop, because it's just easy <laughs> just like to give me two of those. And yeah. If I finish it, I don't, I don't care. It's always about. It's always just under twenty dollars. Okay, that's not bad. It's not too bad. Yeah. I mean, it is when you consider the popcorn probably costs them two cents to make. Twenty but, bucks for popcorn, popcorn sounds about right. Twenty bucks for popcorn and a pop. Ooh, you get both. That's even yes. a better deal so, than I thought. So, I was, I was sitting there last night thinking about it. I was like, it costs like nineteen fifty, nineteen eighty something. I was like, boy, what's going to happen the day this crosses twenty? It's coming. But I'll be like, right now it's like it's high, but it's like all right, it's one bill I give you. But like, I'm going to reach in and find another bill. Like, I don't know about you, this. I don't. Th- I think you're not going to notice. Well, you use cash still, so no, I, used, I didn't use cash. Well, then it's easy because you don't give. It, you don't care. You're like, eh, it's gone now. I haven't had cash in my pockets since 1994. I have a weird amount of cash for some reason. Wow. I don't know where I get this money from. It's it just appears in my wallet. I'm magic. A kitty. Are had, the crows bringing it? They might be. They're yeah. putting it right in my wallet while I sleep. I've been working on those crows <laughs> for a while. Kitty slipping that money in there to make you feel good about yourself. No, because. <laughs> Well, this podcast is breaking in all the big bucks. That's right. So I, I'm not going to need her much longer, but she asked me for money. Like, you have any bills? We're going to go on the road with it. Yeah, we're going to go on the road. We should do... Oh, this is this is an off-mic thing, but I'm doing it on mic because I don't care. Because it's funny to me. Who's Mike? We should do... Does he consent? I do it on mic. We should do a live episode 
of a podcast that no one's ever heard of and no one listens to. And I mean, we should just take this equipment, set it up somewhere and start recording. <laughs> and and like outwardly to be like, hey, we're this, this, because I know it'll be terrible, but it will be hilarious. A live podcast of nothing. Hey, you, you like Nicolas Cage? I do. Record it. Let's, we're we're going to go somewhere. We're going to get hand mics. I'm going to shout Nicolas Cage facts at people. Yes. No, I'm, and I'm going to wear one of those sandwich boards. I'm not even kidding. We should do this live. Just well, go into like a parking lot and start doing this. In the podcast. middle of winter. Yeah. It's nice out today. <laughs> On a nice warm day, I think I can see this. I, this is what it's like to live in Buffalo. I saw it was going to be like 30 degrees today and the sun's out. It's gorgeous outside. It's so it's, warm. It's I don't even bad. need the sweater on. It was like six this morning. It was awful going I'm, to the bus stop. I'm going to figure out where we're going to do this live podcast, but we are definitely going to do this live podcast. All right, well, look forward to that, everybody. <laughs> but it doesn't matter that it's live, Pete, because no one will be there to listen to it. No. The whole point is you get reaction. There's not going to be anybody there. It's brilliant. There's going to be no question. I can't wait for the Q&A section. <laughs> yeah, we'll just, we'll just but, be- you know what? They can uh, send in emails or call our lines. I'm going to figure this one out. All right. And we're going to do a live version of this podcast. I think it might end up being... Well, this is a live version. I guess that's true. We're going to get about the same result. All right, right, ready? I'm ready. I'm gonna. This is my audition for it. Okay. Because I, I had this, and I'm. And this is, this is from my joke box. Okay. Go ahead and pickle me, because I got the beats, and I'm being musical at the time, like when I'm like. <laughs> you want to lead? You want to lead off with? Imagine I'm being musical. No, I wrote it down after because if it doesn't come through, but like I'll be doing something musical. Go ahead and pickle me, because I got the beats. Oh, ha, ha, ha. Wait, I don't have a, I don't have a thing I, anymore. I said that to my eight-year-old, and he just stared at me, and he normally likes puns. Oh, that was a pun? I don't know what that was, really. It was, yeah, beats. Beats like you pickle beats. By Dre. Yeah. That also, because I wasn't sure what to do with it, I moved it over to things that, like, you know, what grinds my gears, what pickles my, you know what pickles my beats? You know what creams my cheese? I had a bunch of those going for a while. That might be a new segment. I'll bring up something that creams my cheese or pickles my beets every week. I gotta be honest with you. This act is ready for the road. We gotta do it. We're gonna go on tour. Forget one live episode. Kitty is gonna be so happy. She is. We're gonna we're gonna hit all the major stops. Rochester. Um uh, my mom's house. Grand Island. My neighbor's house. My basement. My upstairs. My garage, I guess. That'd be a new one. I don't know any place else. Batavia. We're going to hit Batavia. You know, that was pronounced Batavia in the original Dutch. Batavia. Hey, it's a me, Batavia. <laughs> is, is Dutch Italian? I don't Was that Italian? Batavia? Batavia. I think when you say it like that, it is. I thought it was Spanish. My dad is from Brazil. He taught me. Your dad's not from Brazil. Yeah, he is. Your He's dad, Brazilian. Your dad's from Rochester. Well, when His he was family 10. might be from Brazil. No, it was him. He was born in Brazil? Yeah, my kids are Latino. That, no. Yes. No. You have, you have Aryan children. <laughs> well, that's Kitty in her Polish genes. Your your kids are so blonde and blue eyed. The only people that could be the father are her brothers. <laughs> All right, we gotta go.